on this Australia Day episode of Comedy Rewind. Is Kenny the best Aussie comedy since The Castle? What would Shane Jacobson's career look like without this movie? How much do we think the mockumentary style of The Office influenced movies like Kenny? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We're powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me all the way from ABC, someone who would fish around in a porta potty to find your wedding ring if you asked nicely. It's Matt Neal. How you doing? Hey, John, I'm good. I don't know if I would do that. Just going to put it out there. I think I'd hire a professional to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> what if it was your wife? Uh, what yeah, if it was a. Because this is the thing. Time is of the essence. Like he said in, in Kenny. We're talking about Kenny, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, at this is a really weird conversation. Yeah. But yes, we're talking about the film Kenny. At that point, it was just sitting on top of all the muck and mostly water. But if you waited and other people used the toilet, then suddenly you're in the in the crap. Like you're right yes. in there. It's true. Elbow deep. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to so. think if I've ever dropped anything in a toilet and very quickly fished it out. But I just, I can't think of anything. I feel like phone? I've done it before Ever though. Had a phone toilet? No, experience? no. Yeah. I try to keep my phone well away from the toilet because it's just mm. kind of gross. <laughs> what about you? Have you yes. ever, ever dropped anything in the in the toilet? I'm sure there's been something over the years. Not a toothbrush. Definitely That's a Seinfeld not. episode, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that would go straight into the bin. Yes, that was me. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, no, nothing springs to mind. But I'm sure, like. It's inevitable. I've, I've caught my son throwing things in there, that's for sure. <laughs> I've got to, so I have feel to be like careful. Dro- I feel like I dropped my glasses in there once or something. I don't... I don't know. I'm just... Weird half memory. I was probably really drunk and that's why I can only half mm. remember it. But yeah. That would explain the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we are talking about Kenny. It's uh, Australia Day coming up this way, actually, as of the release of this podcast. So I thought... As is tradition on on this show, last year we did the castle. This year, we're doing was that was that was that with you the castle last year or the year before? Yeah. I think it was last year. I think it was yeah. last year. We did uh, death at a funeral in between. Yes. But I think the last more recently. The, yeah, but yeah, for Australia Day last year, um, yeah, the castle. This is mm. so, and with the with Kenny, like this is the other great comedy of the two thousands. Yes. The other, the other only, the only <laughs> other good Australian comedy of the two thousands. Uh, the castle was in the 90s. Oh, it was yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Time flies. I think. Anyway, this was 2006. And I actually wrote down in my notes, best Aussie comedy since the castle. And that's my personal experience and memory of this movie. It was, you know, the, there was a few attempts in between the castle and Kenny of Australian comedies trying to meet. I mean, I, mean, I guess everyone sets out to make a great movie. But there was a lot of, I think, fails. You know, the nugget, not quite there. The Dish was a well-made film, but it hasn't got quite the, um, the you know, the magic, the magic quality that makes, I think, Kenny and the Castle great, which is a relatability. Like, you just relate to the characters. Yeah. Um, I, um, and The Dish, made by the same people that made the Castle, the working dog team. And mm-hmm. it's a really solid second to the castle in terms of quality it just it doesn't quite have that magical thing to it and it certainly isn't the uh australian pop culture phenomenon that 
the castle was and the Kenny was as well, which is really weird thinking back when this to when this came out about how much it really dominated Australian pop culture for a little bit. Like Shane Jacobson appeared in character on, you know, chat shows and uh, news, like serious news shows did segments on this particular film. It was, it was a whole, and it had a spin-off TV series TV and all that show, sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was a really big thing for a, a very short period of time and far bigger than any other uh, film sort of of that era in Australia, any comedy anyway. Yeah. And there's been like, it feels like since this movie, Shane Jacobson has been in like every Australian comedy that's been made ever since. Like he just has to be included for some reason. Yeah. He's a, he's a, I'm not, nothing against him. He's a really great talent, but it's just funny that he became like that guy or whatever. Yeah. I think in the hopes that he would be the lucky charm, I think probably maybe but yeah charlie and boots oddball the barbecue which is possibly the worst australian film ever <laughs> released um yeah lots of the dressmaker as well oh yeah comedy, okay no not a comedy. good film though um yeah. yeah and i love that he popped up too it's kind of like belated he, he must actually he must have got cast really soon after kenny but he popped up in the born legacy which was the Bourne oh. film that Jeremy Renner was in and it didn't have Matt Damon oh, in okay. it. I didn't see that one. Well, no one did. Um, but <laughs> It must have been filmed in Australia then, did it? Because uh, why else would you... It was a section of the film that was set in Southeast Asia. I just remember oh. it really distinctly because it was just, holy crap, it's Shane Jacobson in the middle of this massive American action film. And yeah. he, so he must have been cast like right off the back of Kenny because uh, it came out probably three or four years after Kenny. Um, and yeah, that was... I, and I was it was like kind of a proud Aussie moment, you know, like local guy mm. done good. Didn't really expect the guy from Kenny to be popping up in a Bourne movie, but it was cool. No, yeah. that's great. It's it's one of those things where like, this movie is really a well-made film, I think. And Shane Jacobson's definitely a great actor, but I wonder if Kenny never happened what would his career have, have been? Because he's done so well. It's 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 funny to imagine like the amount of clout you can get from just doing something like this so well. It's similar to kind of what seemed to happen with Michael Caton. Like he just popped up in films. Like he was in like The Animal. He was in the Paul Hogan movie. You know, he just seemed to have a career that that appeared to have been the result of success in, in one film that did really well i guess every actor is going to have that breakthrough role aren't they so whatever it's going to yes. be what yeah. the great thing about it's just a bit different in australia it's like a smaller market so it just seems like if if you do the one good thing it doesn't really matter what else you do after that you just get golden <laughs> that's it i mean like paul, paul McCur- hogan did it too well, yeah. paul, paul hogan's a good example paul mercurio <laughs> after strictly ballroom he was kind of everywhere for a bit and has still He's still kind of making a career off that. Although I think he's in politics now or trying to get in politics. But again, probably, you know, off the back of, hey, it's the guy from Strictly Ballroom. So, you know, yeah, there's been definitely been a few of those. Uh, what's great about the Kenny kind of story and about Shane Jacobson, about that being his break, is it's it's kind of like the goodwill hunting thing, the making your own opportunity, yeah. you know, working with his brother Clayton who directed it, uh, you know, cast and realizing they make a film 
that would be perfect for Shane to star in. They could both star in, and also that you know it was within the limitations of budget and everything they uh, opportunities they had. But they went. This is the way we can do a movie that could be the thing that breaks us on through to the other side, and it did, which was which is mm. great. Yeah, yeah, really great idea to cast like his actual brother and his. I think his actual, actual dad. dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably the three, uh, th- three out of like, probably the four key roles in the film. I'd say. Mm. Um, um, bit of trivia: yeah. the other big role in it is uh, Jackie, the air. Hostess, the air Hostess, steward, yes. Um, yes. played by Eve von Bibra, who was a member of the Shantuzis, who were the top Australian girl group from 1986 to 1991. Oh. They were the best. They- Is that a big thing? <laughs> the Shantuzis were big. They had hits. They they were wow. all over radio for you know for like five years in Australia and nowhere else in the world probably maybe New Zealand, but yeah. So she was a member of the mm. Shantuzis. Yeah, I'm just looking, looking at her. That means nothing like, to most of, people, probably. No, I'm <laughs> looking at her filmography and it was like around the time of that that um, group she was in, she was doing a few appearances here and there, then nothing for 12 years, <laughs> then Kenny, and then suddenly she's on Rockwiz, she's on Angry Boys, she's doing a few different things. She had a bit of the Shane Jacobson effect, the Kenny effect. I think so. That one too. Yeah, that was a little bit of a mid career resurgence i think for her um and she had a pretty prominent role i think on rock she was like i think she was involved sort of behind the scenes a little bit as well with that okay. and i think has done a lot of um those kind of cabaret done the cabaret circuit in australia and those sort of things probably seen the crown seen the palms all those mm. all those all the big casinos so you were definitely uh reviewing movies in 2006 from what i recall yes is that right Absolutely, yes. Um, what do you remember about Kenny as far as, you know, being a film critic at the time? That's a good question. I I didn't... What, re-watching it, I, I, I sort of... I realised how little I remembered of the film. Because I remember mm. going into it going... Well, I don't know, this is a weird, weird way to kind of think of it. But going into the film, I remember thinking, I can't remember what the actual plot is. And then watching it going, oh, no, there is no plot. So maybe I, <laughs> I just misremembered there was nothing there to remember. I don't know. But I think what I remember about it the most was thinking that um, Shane Jacobson was amazing um, because it's such a... Um, it's such a really well-rounded character and it feels so natural. I remember his lisp kind of annoying me then and it did on the rewatch too. It feels unnecessary and kind of gratuitous or something. Like it just, it knocks him down a peg that he doesn't need to be knocked down already. You know, like, I don't know. When the movie started, I was like, oh, is he going to talk like this for the whole film? And I stopped noticing it. So I don't know if he backed it off and it was just played up at the start for for laughs or or maybe I did get used to it. But yeah, agree. It's it's a touch that didn't need to necessarily be there, I guess. It's yeah. like when an actor like insists on doing some kind of accent that doesn't <laughs> doesn't work. Doesn't add to anything. The um and it's funny, maybe like yeah, I kinda I didn't notice it as the film went on too and it made me want makes me think now, is it a confidence thing? Is it as his character kind of grows in confidence, it sort of disappears? Like mm. I don't know. Is that is yeah, it supposed there, to be? There is definitely there is definitely an arc. Like, there's you're right. There's no actual like. There's no plot. Plot. 
but, but there is character there is, development. There is a yeah. The act one, act two, act three could be summed up as more like yeah, development. Watching this guy grow like into well, it's not even necessarily growing confidence, but he grows like his his, his situation just improves. Like his life isn't that great at the start. He's getting abused by his dad. His wife's taking advantage of him with his kid. He's a little bit disconnected from his kid, it seems. And then he meets a girl. That's kind of really the big change as he connects with his son a bit more and he gets to go on this big trip and meet this woman. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of those things don't uh, don't disappear. His dad is still giving him the whole time. His, mm. his ex-wife is still giving him grief. He, um, yes, he connects with his son a bit more, but one of the big elements of of the film is how society really looks down on him and that quote yeah. at the start of the film which is uh none are less visible than those we decide not to see and you know that's the whole ethos of the film it's like here are all these people just quietly going about doing their job and look at all the crap they put up with from people just from literally yeah, yeah literally yeah and then summers you know they're setting yeah. fire to his portaloos and stuff and then yeah. and they're looking down his their nose at him and they're having a go at him about all sorts of stuff and you know and none of those things go away but at the yeah, end of the film his dad like from the start to the finish is on him on his case about his the work that he does his brother's ashamed of him basically yep. um yeah what were you going to say well, yeah, none of those none of those things improve. But his attitude changes at the end. He actually decides he's kind of snaps one night and doesn't take any crap from a guy, and then puts a whole bunch of sewage into this guy's sports car. And mm. you know, and that's the real kind of you know stand up and cheer moment in the film. Uh, but and I guess that's a sign of his confidence coming through. But you know, but all these um, this this social oppression that's on him, or his situational cir- circumstances that are bringing him down as well like none of that ever actually changes and and the film ends in a kind of weird spot too because he's offered a promotion that we learn in the like end credits that he doesn't actually take you know yeah. and yes he reconnects with the girl um and so that's a good thing but i don't know it feels like i think yeah see to me that that that's a, a good ending in the sense that that's the win his dad for was him. On his, yeah his dad was on his case to take a desk job and to get more respectable, but he's decided to stay closer to his son, presumably, yeah. by by not taking the job and just being content with, you know, you don't have to... And it's a very realistic thing. It's like, you don't need to have five out of five in every single aspect of your life to be happy or to be content, I guess is the word. And he's just someone who seems content and that's really uh, endearing. And, yeah, and um, I think that audiences connect with that. Yeah, because well, he, he's not he, like he found oh, he, contentment. He, he, he won. Yeah, he didn't win the lottery, or there was no like huge win apart from potentially falling in love. Who knows? It's like the beginning of this relationship. But um, yeah, I just think it's like a nice, warm thing. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the I mean the the real connection with the film is that he is like just the ultimate kind of blue collar hero in that he has no real great victory in life except that he kind of finds a sort of sense of contentment within his own life. You know, he's out there dispensing all these pearls of wisdom and it's, it kind of, it forms this 
philosophy for life that's partly what keeps him going because he is in like just you know like the lowest of low jobs when we think it when we as society think about what's what are just the crappest jobs and again i'm yeah. pardon the pun but you know it's you know this is it this is kind of bottom rung sort of stuff um and yeah. if someone can find happiness in that and in their existence and can and mold their own kind of credo and, and way to live their life within that situation i mean that is that is kind of that is a victory i think a lot of people took to heart and i think that's why the film was so was partly why it was so successful yeah definitely okay so i did ask if you reviewed the movie do you know what the rotten tomatoes score is for kenny uh no i don't i'm guessing it's around 80 somewhere I actually looked for your review on there thinking maybe it would appear, but it did not. I don't think I was Rotten Tomatoes accredited then and I don't think I have right. a, a digital copy to upload. So It's not retroactive, sure. No, no, not then. I have added okay. some later, but I, I haven't done this one yet. Well, Kenny sits at a very nice rounded 100%. Really? On Rotten Tomatoes. It does. Because there's how many, how few reviews are on there? Uh, the... I thought that might be the case, but it's actually enough of a sample size for it to be legit. There are tw- 25 reviews. Uh, I'm working on a 26 at the yeah. moment. <laughs> 25. So, right. Okay. So, that's that's pretty good. Like, they, there was that whole thing in the news about, like, Paddington 2 being the greatest movie of all time because yep. they found a negative review for... Uh, Citizen Kane. It? Citizen Kane, of course. Yeah. Um but now we have to add Kenny into that conversation <laughs> because Paddy- even Paddington 2 is only 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I think even one of the Toy Stories is 99% now because some people just hate life and need mm. to reevaluate themselves. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are, there are probably a, a handful of 100%ers, but Paddington the 2 number is great, of- by the way. I fully endorse yeah. the whole Paddington 2 is the best movie of all time thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched it about... A month ago and it's certainly a good time but hey kenny 100 percent. so take that awesome um, i've got a few uh take, take review, that, a few notes here on on a few quotes i should say from some reviews so the san francisco chronicle not just australian press uh stephen hunter loved it and he said if you didn't know better you'd think kenny wasn't an actor so naturalistic is shane's performance and so true is uh clayton's camera work uh, that's a that's a really good point that you've already touched on. Is it's not just um, you know Yahoo serious or some random Australian comedian jumping in here and being silly in front of a camera. It's actually a in some sense it's like a dramatic performance. It's a yeah. convincing performance. Yeah. Well, Shane Jacobson won the Actor Award that year or the AFI Awards as they were known then. He won the Actor Award for Best Actor that year in 2006 mm. or 2007. Um, the film had six nominations and his was the only one that turned into a win. Um, and I, I didn't actually look up to see what else was against that year. But there probably would have been some really big dramatic turns there because usually, there's, there's usually a couple of really great dramatic turns in the Actor Awards each year. The I think... And the that um, San Francisco Chronicle review kind of touches on this as well, that uh, Shane's performance is is outstanding and it is really naturalistic, but it's really 
sort of died up to 11 and really um, honed because of the way the film is made and because of Clayton Jacobson's direction. You know, by choosing to make it as a mockumentary, I think, like, elevated it so much. Like, imagine if this was done as a straight film. Yeah. It just it wouldn't have had the same level of resonance to it. Like the messages of it wouldn't have got through as much. Shane's performance wouldn't have sung the way it did, but the way that it's filmed. And I think a lot of it too comes down to the editing. I mean, we've sort of said it's got no plot. It's got a character arc. And I wonder how much of that was sort of done in post, you know, to go, you know, you know, I felt like they went to a whole bunch of events and filmed lots of different things. Maybe it was fully scripted to the way to the nth degree and the flow of the film was already worked out. But part of me kind of thinks maybe they moved bits around because there's no like great big final act kind of, um, you know, that he loses his son at the races. It's kind of nice, but you know, the probably the big excitement of it is uh, the, uh, at the um, Calder Park Speedway when they're setting fire to the Portaloos, you know, the, like the way it kind of moves makes me feel like it was done in editing to make sure that the mock is much as it was just a mockumentary. We'll see where this character goes. We'll see what we can do with this. But mm-hmm. I feel like it maybe was pieced together really nicely in editing to really make sure that that arc sang, like all the pieces are kind of interchangeable. You could have taken any bit of the film yeah. and put it anywhere else. And it still would have been okay, but they just got them all in the right place. And I wonder if that's editing or whether that was just good planning. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to, to learn that. Um, the Age said that few comic characters come with that degree of wit, let alone a philosophy. And I like that comment because, you know, there are a lot of just great lines and we'll get into some of them later on. But it's not just one-liners because it does leave you with this sense that Kenny's kind of schooling people and without even trying to, he's like flipping... Uh, perspectives and preconceived notions about class and um, status on its head as far as what you were referring to before. So I think Mm. that that's something that is probably done in between those set pieces, so to speak, with with the voiceover or with the, you know, he's sitting in his office and he's just, that's something that they could film at any point in time. Yep. I, I really one of my favorite moments in it is when he's at the um, Mardi Gras, I think it is, or mm-hmm. there's like a there's a, a community yeah. event and it's got like a gay pride kind of thing in it, and he sees like an old schoolmate that he used to play footy with, who's now like yeah. dressed up as a drag queen, <laughs> and he just goes up and he just you know, Maka, how's it going? And it's so Aussie and and then they have this chat or whatever, and it's just and it's only in there for a few moments and it goes and it, like but it really fits in with his. Um, philosophy his character and adds just this extra level of depth to you know he just accepts people he doesn't really judge anyone he's always trying to impart wisdom and everything but he never thinks that he's better than anyone or he Mm. never looks down on anyone you know it's unless they've slighted him and i yeah that broader philosophy philosophy of him i would i wonder if there was you know one of those books that came out to cash in on this like the philosophy of kenny (laughs) Because if not, then they yeah. totally missed a trick here. Coffee table book for sure. That's it. <laughs> All right. Let's move into the, the number one song when this movie released. Do you have any guesses? August of 2006. August of 2006. I'll say it was a, it was a pop star. Uh, 2006. Number one for nine weeks on the Arias. Uh, Christina Aguilera? 
close-ish. Close-ish, Britney Spears? No. No, really. it's, it's too late, isn't it? Um, the other one. <laughs> the other one. Who's the other one? <laughs> Christina, Britney. Um, oh, not Jessica Simpson? No. Shakira. That's a really deep cut. Not Shakira. Shakira, yeah. the other one. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> okay. Uh, was that Hips Don't Lie or something? Is that it what was, it was? It was Hips Don't Lie. Yeah, okay, cool. Right. Yeah. Nine weeks. Face. I was surprised by that. That's a long yeah. time. I, I don't know if I even know how that song goes. I just know of its existence. I'm trying to think what won the Hottest 100 that year. That's usually my musical barometer. <laughs> and I can't yeah, even remember. Probably, I can't um, remember. 2006. It was Kings one, of Leon or something, probably. Nah, no, that was 2008. Uh, it wasn't um, One Crowded Hour, was it? Let's look March? it up, Matt. It could have been. Um, it's around that time. I'm never Not quite just, sure with Hottest 100. It's the year before we're looking at, basically. No, but it, tell, it tells you the year of the votes. 2007 is Knights of Sidonia. So it's a year before that. Yeah, it was, it was Augie March. You had it. One crowd out. Nailed it. Cool. Yeah. There you go. I was going to say The Killers, and they were number four. So I, was, I was, wasn't too far off when you were young. Anyway, uh, that's enough. That's enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What have you done for me lately? This will be very short because Shane Jacobson is basically the only actor in this that I think is really worth talking about. Everyone else, like they did a good job of making this for a small budget. It was seven, sorry, it was less than a million dollars. Under a million, yeah. And made seven million dollars. Um, partly funded by the owner of Splashdown, who gets a lot of, you know, advertising space in this movie. It's a real company in Melbourne that still exists to this day. Yes, I saw, a, I think it was a YouTube comment on the trailer. Someone saying, I just drove past the Splashdown place and they're still going strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had um, someone tweet that at me in the week leading up to this too. Oh, that's where I saw it. Okay. It was that's your probably tw- what it was, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Aaron. So, it's interesting, like I said, low budget. They didn't go for, like, usually Aussie comedies, they just fill it with all the who's who of like... Australian comedy, all the working dog guys, you know, yep. you might get Eric Eric Banner in the 90s or the equivalent of whoever that would have been in the 2000s. Um, well, someone you, from the sketch comedies, you know. Well, they a, didn't do that. There's a couple of guys in there, very, very briefly. Mm-hmm. One of them is, oh, I'm going to get his name wrong, is it David Gann? Has a cameo. He's the guy that played Wilfred. From Wilfred, I did notice him. But yep. he, I think, was it pre-Wilfred? Uh, Pre-Wilfred, yeah, I'm pretty sure. He has like one, he has like one line. Yep. Yeah. And his mate who gets run over is um, Nash Edgerton, I think, which is okay. Joel Edgerton's brother, who was a stuntman. Um, and so he's the one that gets hit by the golf cart that Kenny's driving. Um, so yeah, they're like the only comedy people, you know, comedy royalty that are in, that are in the film and they're not even comedy yeah. royalty. And I can't even say what... Um Gan's been up to lately because he retired from acting. Oh, really? For some reason, yeah. I looked mm. him up after I saw this because I thought I liked Wilfred and thought he'd have a good career, especially after like the American version did like three or four seasons. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that Clayton and Shane Jacobson did another film together after this, uh, where they both starred in it and Clayton acted, uh, and. Mm-hmm. I was only in the course of researching this that I discovered that this film existed and I have not seen it. And I think it's called Brother's Nest, maybe? But it's oh, like yeah. a it's like a dark 
drama or d- sort of noirish kind of drama from what I can tell. Um, mm. But yeah. Not the that, hit of Kenny. No, which is unfortunate. It sounds really interesting, but yeah, that's out there. Yeah. Okay. It must have been a long time. It was t- 2018. Yeah, that was there a you long go. time so it's, later. Oh, yeah, more than yeah. a decade after. Yeah. Yeah. Black comedy. Okay. So we're talking about Shane Jacobson and no one else. Um, what's he been up to lately? He's a host on Australia's Got Talent. I didn't know this because I don't I, watch like free to air. But there you go. So I guess he's still very public in Australia. Um, the last thing that I probably would have seen him in was both Oddball and The Dressmaker, which both came out in 2015. Yep. Um, as when I did, said... When did the barbecue come out? Uh, let's have a look. Because... So it, he was in the, the barbecue this in 2018. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So yep. that was one that had like lots of big names and stuff in it. Big mm-hmm. Australian Magda. comedy film. Yeah. I think Manu from... Um, Yep. What's the chef program? Master Chef or yeah. My Restaurant Rules or whatever. Um, he was in it. Like there was heaps of like notable Australian people in it, and it's just I the worst. It's so I I hate that film with every <laughs> fiber of my being. Anyway, did you have to review it? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Surely not. You had to. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that got a thirty percent on RT. So I can't believe people actually gave that positive reviews. It's just horrendous it's a one big ad for a particular barbecue company basically really yeah is it Weber <laughs> no I think it's like barbecues no. galore or one of those like, shops <laughs> like they poured a heap of they did a splashdown on it right so they poured heaps oh. of money in it hoping they'd have the kind of splashdown portaloo effect but I don't think it did yeah well the last thing that um, Shane did was Never Too Late which is a comedy that came out in 2020 have you seen this one? No. Nope. It's got James Cromwell, um, Jackie Weaver. Quality and it looks like a it looks like a typical kind of uh, rom-com poster, like The Holiday or like okay. Love Actually, like that style kind of thing. Right. But it's about like pr- prisoners of war that um, now live in a retirement home. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like quite the romp. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway. Um, um there's one other person in Kenny who went on and did great things. Um, his that? name his name is Criv Stenders, and Kriv he Stenders. he plays the drunk buck who is handcuffed into oh. a, into the toilets. Now he was the second unit director on this film, but he went on to direct Red Dog, which was another like massive Australian film. And Criv Stenders, I think, actually has some, a pretty good CV of uh, films under his belt now. Ever since. since uh, even before Red Dog, I can't remember. He had a big film before that. Red Dog was just massive in Australia. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, one of the stuff. But he is the, we see his bum in in Kenny. There you go. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Complete yeah. with yeah, drawings on at, it. I'm looking at his IMDb and it's nothing that I recognize, but it's he's certainly been consistently working. So good on him. Mm. Uh, we're going to start the categories now. Okay. 32 minutes in. What's the most 2000s moment of the podcast, Matt? Because there wasn't a whole lot that jumped out at me. There was a a sighting of George Bush when he was in the States. And that was something that struck me like, oh, that's a 2000s thing. George W, like a cutout. Um, Yeah. But otherwise, like it could have easily, like it it wasn't so dated that it 
felt specifically like the 2000s. It could have been the 90s, could have been 2010s, I feel like. Yeah, again, it's only like the shape of phones that we usually can tell these things within some of these films. This is a bit like we had the same thing yeah. with Death at a Funeral where it felt weirdly timeless because there's nothing there's nothing that really gives it away because the story's not reliant on technology or phones are kind of used in such a minimal way. Um, yeah, there's nothing really that dated about it. And I was thinking of uh, as a like slice of life of Australia, you know, he goes to... Like, uh, you Ocean know, Grove. yeah, goes to Ocean Grove, goes, goes to music festivals. There's the Melbourne cup. There's like car racing. Like it's yeah. just, it's like summer in Australia. Basically he goes to, he's going to take his kid to the beach in Ocean Grove, like all these kind of things. It, it's very, and it could be, but it could be any year because there's nothing in it that really dates it. And mm. given Kennedy's character is not sort of very, you know, fashion conscious or whatever, I feel like he would wear the same things today and he looks like people today that would, you <laughs> know, the, 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 the Kennys of today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to kind of smartphones and stuff later on, but his lack of... Like, he, he has a, a mobile phone, but he almost never uses it. Um, it's like he doesn't carry it with him. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I remember when people... Like, I had a friend who I th- always thought was funny, like when he wasn't using his phone, he'd like put it in a drawer and I'm like, who does that? Like, you'll you know, you leave it out in case it rings. But anyway, good on you. It's like you're protecting it for special occasions. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Got to save that battery, turn it off and put it in the drawer. That's it. Um, most iconic scene. This is a tough one because, I mean, like you said before, it's a series of moments. Um, there's a few big set pieces as I call them with the music festival, the the drag racing um the melbourne cup but did you have anything that stood out to you for this one um there's i I like the stuff where he like loses his son and then finds him again all the stuff involving his son around the melbourne cup i find really great i don't know if it's iconic but it's but just like really heartfelt and it's kind of the big emotional moment for me in the film i think probably I think maybe the iconic stuff is in the lines, some of the, the quotes yeah. that are so great. But I think maybe the setting fire to the Portaloos and the big the big set piece really has to be driving up the middle of the Calder <laughs> raceway yeah. with the, the tr- <laughs> racing trucks going past it either side. Like that's probably the bit where it kind of went, okay, this is the one thing in the film where they're really like just gone for it. Um, so I think that's maybe it. But I think what is iconic yeah. about this film is Kenny. And it's not so much what he goes yes. through, which again gets back to the thing of it being rather plotless and it more about his character arc. That's the thing that is that is iconic out of it is it is Kenny. It's not so much what happens to him. It is just him in his being and his very essence. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think you're right. Like they've done a really good job of grounding this movie so much in reality that there isn't anything that's iconic. Like there's no like Ace Ventura climbing out of a rhinoceros Rhinoceros yeah yeah (laughs) there's there's nothing there's they haven't gone they haven't gone for the moon with any of the visual comedy they haven't like like, this is going to be the scene that people will take like 30 seconds to recover from because they're going to be laughing so much and that's not a slight to say that it's not a funny movie because it is it's full of of laughs but they haven't really gone for it you know no, um, and and it's those lines that the iconic thing. It's the the things that comes out of Kenny's mouth, and it just him, <laughs> and that's what you remember about the film. Yeah, 
definitely. I, I remember even like just the tiniest thing, so tiny that I didn't even notice it this time around. I got to the end of the movie and I was like, oh, I missed that thing. I must have looked away. I looked at my phone. And it was when it starts snowing in Nashville or wherever he is. And he just goes... <laughs> Good on him. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's like, yeah. And that Nashville was something t- I think my, my brother had mentioned to me when he saw the movie um, about it, it just cracked him up because it's just such a quirky... It's a line that he says multiple times leading up to that point as well, I noticed because I was waiting for it yeah, before okay. I missed it. Um, so it's just <laughs> a phrase from his like vernacular, his lexicon yep. that he just he just says and to apply it to that is just very clever and funny and probably improvised I, I have to feel like a lot of this is, is improvised it's got that, that feeling about it yeah I think so and it, you know you wonder how far that goes and I guess it adds to why his performance is so good too because if even just bits and pieces of that are improvised it all feels so natural it all feels mm-hmm. like you can't tell where the script starts and where it finishes, which we, yeah. which you can tell in some other films, you know, those Will Ferrell ones, you can kind of see where they're going off the rails. And this is like the fourth take of spitballing <laughs> something crazy for this bit. But in this one, it's just, it's so seamless. You can't tell where it is. Mm. And it's in also in the wake of the office, the, the British um, series. And I feel like that kind of kick started not it certainly didn't invent the mockumentary, but I feel like it brought it into the two thousands as a kind of an easy format for comedy, to the point where they applied it to obviously um, Modern Family for some reason, where it totally isn't necessary. Um, they applied it to Parks and Recreation and a bunch of other like sitcoms have have used that style because um, mm. because it, it allows someone to sit at the camera and tell like spew out their thoughts. Kenny, as you mentioned before, as a traditional just comedy, he'd have to be talking to someone to be spouting all these musings and thoughts um, and and feelings, and it works so well um, in that style. Yeah, and I, I wonder if uh, I mean the effect of the office might have been that it meant that projects like this could get greenlit um, because people could go, you know, prior to that, you know, mockumentaries were basically you know, Spinal Tap and Waiting for Guffman and all that kind of the Christopher mm-hmm. Guest crew, all their stuff. Um, but then when The Office came along, you could kind of, it was a thing I think the filmmakers could point to and say, you know, like The Office. And the people were, oh yeah, everyone loves The Office. Well, yeah, <laughs> let's do that. I feel it's like that may be... with toilets. Yeah. Because, you know, that's the other yeah. thing too is you, like they don't, they very rarely refer to the film crew. He's obviously talking to them a lot and you can see the lapel yeah. mic. And I think he mentions it once to someone. He's like, oh, you yeah, know, they're just filming me or something. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe to his ex-wife, I think it is. Um, um, there's someone he... he is that on the plane or something? It's, it's Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember where it is. But we never get this sense of why they're making this doco about him because he is so, you know, unassuming. But, you That's know, we don't, we don't need to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just a, a lot of them, it's slice like, of why? Life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason I brought up The Office is because it it was The Office was so well written that it seemed improvised, but it wasn't. It was yeah. completely completely well written and scripted. And I it's possible that this was too, but it, it certainly feels like the types of things Kenny says could be um, off the cuff. Anyway, what holds up the best? Uh, probably. Probably Kenny and the filmmaking style. 
you know, it, yeah. be, be, the, that whole thing of it, the way it works together as a mockumentary, I think is what, what still holds up. And the, and the general sort of philosophy and something throughout it, um, you know, it's never, he's never really mean spirited or, you know, and he's just such a nice guy. And mm. I think his ideas, his just way of life, I'd, 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 it, was, it really is kind of timeless. Just the themes of the film and the, the way they've made that whole capsule of going, let's just look at a guy who, who is pretty low on the rungs of society from the judgment of society and just mm. follow him around and see how he does. Like it just, that is going to be timeless. That's always going to sing. And I think that is the thing that, it means it doesn't date. It's why it still works. It's why you'll still be able to watch this film in probably 20 years. Yeah, I think the relatability of these characters for me was what held up the best. The portrayal of that relatable Aussie everyman. I feel like I could probably name five or ten people without a stretch who Kenny reminds me of. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we've grown up in like rural areas. We especially probably know a lot of farmers or tradies who are just sweet, great guys. And yeah. they're not like the toxic masculinity. They're not wrapped up in that as so many people are. Um, and it's just something that's so lovable about this character. Like he doesn't get annoying at any point, even though in in, in the hands of another actor, it very much could turn that way. Um, yeah. And then the portrayal of, I think, especially his brother and his father. I think those performances by the um, Jacobsons were so on point and and natural. Um, The dad that's just so critical and annoying and doesn't listen. Like there's so many older people in, um, you know, in our, I think that our generation looks at like that older generation and... They're not all like that, certainly. But there's yeah. some people, of, of men especially, who grow up in that time, and you just can't tell them anything. Like they just, they just don't hear it. Yeah, it just drives me nuts. That's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, he's giving the kid the twenty cents and telling him like not to get the the, the water ring stain on his little crappy like <laughs> card table. Like who cares? He sends yeah. him outside with the chocolate. He makes him sit on a towel. Because uh, he's wearing his overalls, like yeah, it's just yep. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he forces him into his dressing gown. Yeah, it's um, yeah. And then I guess the the brother is probably a less less common character to come across in in real life, but he's kind of ashamed of of Kenny, and he's pro- you don't get to learn much about him, but you get the sense that he's maybe like he's an accountant or some kind of business person in Melbourne and runs in a completely different circles to Kenny. Therefore, he is a little bit embarrassed by what he does and doesn't connect with his dad and Kenny when they're camping to the point that he bails halfway through. Yeah, which is... I I really... I love that moment because it's so brutal, but it's also hilarious that a taxi rocks up in the middle of nowhere and you're like, what's going on? And he's just like... He's got his bags packed. He's like, see ya, I'm out. And just jumps in the taxi in the middle of nowhere. It's um yeah I love that moment because it's it's harsh and but funny as well. And his dad's like, the first batch of of muffins you in the oven burn yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, and there goes my first batch of muffins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh great. Um, the other thing I wanted to just say was, 
the lines like that Kenny comes up with. I don't know if you've jotted any of them you down, to, but yeah, I did. There was yep. a few that I was just like, that is, that is good. It's hard to come up like you know this as a writer, like as well. Like, it's hard to come up with something that you haven't heard before, like a cliche, a simile that's completely original. And maybe this is like something that people used to say, and he's putting it onto. The big screen, but busier than a one-armed bricklayer in Baghdad. Now that, that one, me. Th- that one I've heard. That one I'd heard in the wild prior. prior yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. And I reckon it pre- it predates that going from some other war, probably. Some someone yeah. rung the queen and let her know what they're doing with her language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That someone that one. I guess it I reckon be. that one's that one's that one seemed familiar as well. The ones that I hadn't heard of. Uh, uh, as silly as a bum full of smarties, which I just think is absolute <laughs> gold. That's my absolute definite favorite one. Um, there's another one in there, and I'm going to swear here, Jono, so write this down in case you need to edit. But it says, as mad as a clown's cock. And I've not ever heard that expression before. <laughs> and I still don't fully understand it. What does but it even mean? Yeah. It's gold. Um, and it, I love the bit. He describes his mum as from behind, she looked like a fridge with a head. <laughs> i but then he follows up by saying, but when he when she hugged you, you knew you were being hugged. And, oh, you know, nice. it's kind of sweet. But also, describing your mother that way is just appalling, but hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the poo-related ones are pretty good, too. Like, when you walked in and it says, uh, like, you'd been smacked in the head by a poo bat. It's pretty good. Yes. The smell that will outlast religion is another one that yep. is um, very poetic. Yeah, yeah. That, that, when he walks into that expo, there's I, I forgot to mention that at the most iconic scene, but that was probably one that I should have mentioned because the novelty of just an expo dedicated to toilets in itself is hard to forget. <laughs> yeah, and that's obviously a thing and it's obviously a real oh, yeah. thing that they went to. Um, and I love that the film is just kind of built around that, like from a filmmaking point of view too. They've got less than a million dollars and they just know that part of it is we're going to film in Nashville at this, you know, convention for the poo community. I don't, you know, septic, what's it called? <laughs> Flushes and, no, it's called, uh, I can't remember what it, the convention has an actual name, like the, you know, the Flushes and Cleaners or something like. Right. Um, you know, I just, I like that they went, this is the thing we need to do is get Kenny be the fish out of water thing, yeah. which is kind of like, uh, you know, Crocodile Dundee again, where that mm-hmm. that film really works is you just take him and put him somewhere else and it's funny. And this Kenny putting him there is is really great. Um, and then what it does for his character development is is really cool as well. Yeah, for sure. This one was very difficult for me, but what holds up the worst? You're a critic, so you might have some more thoughts, but I couldn't think of anything. like Yeah, uh, nothing jumps out at me. There's nothing yeah. that's... I guess there's nothing that dates it. Like we said, it could have had like a bit more of a plot, like you said, but then it might lose something too. Yeah, and it would have forced it in some way. I think. I think it might have taken away some of this, the natural nature of it, and the, um, and like we said, how it just becomes about him and about his development as a person, and that's the, you know, that's the thing that really matters. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, nothing's nothing dates badly in it. I don't think. It's not mm. like, I don't know. Was there any casual racism? I didn't really pick up. There usually is in no, Australian films. No, no, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing that I was going to say. Like, I expected something like that. I expected 
some kind of remark that would not necessarily date well, but there was nothing like there's the scenes with the Japanese. It's all handled very respectfully. When he, he does refer to him as the sushi cowboy, and it was sort of, but it didn't sort of yeah, rub that, the wrong that's way okay at all. By really. me. Like that, that's like what would be the Australian equivalent of that? It would be like the meat pie, like cowboy or another, something. Show sh- another shrimp on the barbie or something. Yeah, like that's not <laughs> offensive. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then you mentioned like the scene with the uh, drag queen, mm. and um, again, like totally handled in a respectful way like he didn't make yeah. any jokes about it he said something about like traded the high heels for or i said something about like footy sh- your footy shorts like, for- uh, yeah you're a bit different from the footy boots or whatever oh that's what like, yeah 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 and that's just funny like it's not a crack yeah. at anyone um and he's just perfectly accepting of this person's um lifestyle decisions or, or whatever yeah. however you want to put it he doesn't um even really comment about it he's just like oh i used to go to school with that guy there you go yeah and he's and he's um, always he's and he's proud of it like he's sort of oh, like i know that guy look at that guy i know him yeah, yeah. like look at look at him now kind of thing yeah it's great so yeah in, in that sense like those sequences both spoke to how i guess uh careful they were with the script that they didn't rely on on any of that stuff it it, it, it it's not who Kenny is, I guess, to yeah. be putting anyone else down. No, it's just more reflective of, of Kenny's personality and his persona and that he just, um, you know, the only people who kind of shakes his head out are people who do b- bad things or that treat him poorly and everyone else is, he, he's just totally fine with them. And, he, and I, I, you know, I love the bits in, in um, America where he just, he just wants to be everyone's mate. You know, he just goes up to him and he's like, he's giving him out business cards on the plane and he just wants to chat to people and he just, he just assumes that everyone is friendly until proven otherwise. So there's no need for the film to have ever been like that, which is really nice mm. and cool. And partly, and part of why the film, um, I think still speaks so well today. Yeah, for sure. So the next question was who would be the most offended? And I'm not sure that there's even anyone... <laughs> You could talk about. I think I think the the Portaloo community, the people who work in that industry, um, I wonder but if they're the heroes of this movie. I know, but I, and I wonder if they just if they loved this film when it came out, and whether okay. it's now like kind of a, a bad joke, maybe. But I I still feel like it just really champions their industry that they could surely they couldn't have gotten tired of it, you know, like. Yeah, that they get map. sick of being. Everyone calls him Kenny. You know, I don't know. Does that yeah. is that a thing in the industry? <laughs> But I guess, I, yeah, yeah. I guess the people who might not like it are uh, speedway enthusiasts or people that <laughs> attend those events because they're definitely made out to be just like drunken idiots, violent. Um, if there's an element of exaggeration to that, it's nah. possible that they <laughs> they they wouldn't like that. But maybe they go, "Hey, that's us. That's what we do every year." I don't know. I th- yeah, I, I feel like that was spot on, and <laughs> and I bet most of them probably wore it as a badge of honor. <laughs> there you go. Okay, does Kenny pass the internet relevancy test via memes and gifs? This is a yes and no for me because it was impossible to find a Kenny gif, like impossible. Mm. It's just a, it's such a common name. There's South Park. There's yeah Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down. It was like I just couldn't find anything. But the the relevancy, I think, comes from 
people just know this movie. Yeah. And it is a one word title. And when Hannah asked me what we were talking about tonight, I said, oh, we're, we're talking about Kenny. And she goes, oh, the toilet movie. Like, yeah. just kind of surprised. And like, she's someone who's really bad with names in, in yeah. remembering the names of movies. And she's not even necessarily good at remembering movies themselves. Yep. My wife's um, the same. <laughs> We've yeah, discussed so this, the, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that she like knew instantly what it was um, for a movie that's 15, 16 years old now, I think that says a lot about I think so um, Kenny there's there's probably a handful of Australian films that you could say the name of to anyone and they'd automatically go yep I know that film or yeah I've seen that Mm. film and it's things like Crocodile Dundee Strictly Ballroom Priscilla Babe Mad Max Kenny is definitely on that list yeah Yeah. like those are the films you can you could just test any Australian (laughs) yeah yeah maybe Muriel's Wedding I don't know but you yeah, could just depends on how old you were when it came out. I think yeah, for some of those. Um, yeah, but but that's it. Yeah, like Kenny, and Kenny might Kenny's be really high on that one. list. I think that's not to say that there aren't better movies like Animal Kingdom and like there's some really good movies that have come out. But I think yeah. they're the ones that permeated like pop culture, so to speak. Like yeah, my mum could watch Kenny. My wife could watch it. My kids could watch it in some years. Yeah, and I, I, that's or kid, I should say. Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> the, that it's it just crosses over in that way. Yeah, it's weird that it, it is that. Um, I think it's rated M. I think actually, but um, for why? Like the 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 poo amount amount of poo is that? I don't know. Is there, is there any other swearing in it? I think you might say you might say uh, a lot. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's occupational in this context. Yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's only really the language and they probably could have worked their way around that if they really wanted to get like I wonder if it maybe got released with a PG at the time and it's now um, I've, I've only taken that M from wherever I watched it on it had that mm. rating attached to it now and some, sometimes they change but I don't know maybe it was an M at the time but it did feel like uh, anyone and everyone could watch that film which is yeah you know, that kind of, what do they call it, a four-quadrant movie. It's not quite yeah. for the kids, but it's, it's you know, it's at least three quadrants. And There is a scene of a woman urinating. That there could be an issue. There is. And actually, and that was one of the bits where I love that because she's one of the women who tells Kenny off for ta- taking disgusting. his kid, yeah. you know, into public toilets to work with him. Um, and then, you know, she's being disgusting later. And I, that was a great moment. And Kenny doesn't go over to them and say anything. He just kind of shakes his head. And, you know, and it's quite beautiful sort of summation of his character that he's still not going to make a big thing out of it. But these people who look down on him, like, they're no better than him. And that's mm. part of the core of the film. Yeah. And I think, like, you nailed it at the end when you said it was kind of like a fist bump moment, like when the movie ends with him finally standing up for himself like he didn't have to do that but the guy was being such a douche that it was like yeah yeah he he deserves something yeah and i feel like um i feel like breaking bad kind of stole (laughs) that moment where walter white has a scene where he puts the rubber squeegee on the dude's you know porsche at the gas station or whatever because he was doing a similar thing Mm. i'm like yeah that's maybe it's happened before maybe it's not totally original but Kenny was the, the first time I saw that old trick. Yeah, it's um, it's a good uh, good trope. The you know, 
the, the, the revenge from someone you don't expect to actually, you know, unleash your revenge. It's pretty cool. Especially in this fashion. Like, it's just so yeah. brutal too. I, I couldn't help thinking like what happens next. Like, does that guy sue him? Late charges. <laughs> Press charges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or does Kenny say, oh, he told me to let it go. And that's what I was doing. I, I misunderstood. Yeah. That's quite I, a misunderstanding. I, I feel like in, in the real world, he probably gets a fine and that's the thing that stops him from getting that promotion that he could have taken. That gets taken off the table mm. and they get and everyone around the office is like, that was pretty funny, but don't do it again and you're not going to yeah. Sydney. <laughs> like, yeah. He probably should have done it to the exterior of the car in hindsight. Like, that, that car is destroyed. Once it's oh, on yeah. the interior, yep. like, that's a write-off. I don't know if the insurance company would officially recognize poo in upholstery as a write-off, but uh, I, you wouldn't be able to drive that car again. Yeah, that, no. There's no way to... There's no coming back from that. I was trying to no. think, as we were talking there, I'm like, I've seen, this, to... I've seen this in something else too. And it's in in another Australian film, in The Dry, where to... Oh. Have you, have you seen yep. The Dry or seen, read the book? I have seen The Dry, yeah. Yeah, and they that do that to his car... They fill it with poo, basically, when they're trying to get it to run him out of town. Um, or is it Aaron, a dead animal? Fox, no, I think in the book it's I definitely they put like a carcass. I thought they put like a, a dead lamb or a dead calf or something on Maybe his I'm car. A, it's definitely in the. I think that's what happens in yeah. the book. I think they like put a whole bunch of like sheep or cow or something in there to like, mm-hmm. and that's that's part of it. But yeah. So it's just a classic Australian tradition, obviously. <laughs> yes, indeed. Don't do it to my car. Um, <laughs> this is where you Howard never own a convertible. Smart- <laughs> yeah, Howard modern smartphones and social media change, Kenny. I had a couple of things jotted down for this. There's a moment where he's trying to get into his brother's party, and he has to kind of negotiate with the bouncer to let him in. And I was thinking, if that was right now, you'd surely just send your brother a text or call your brother and say, hey, I'm outside. Just want to say yep. happy birthday. They won't let me in. Can you come out and say g'day? Um, but I, that's where I was saying before, Kenny seems like someone who, yes, he has a mobile phone, but I guess he doesn't take it with him everywhere. It's for work only, that kind of thing. Mm. And he does he does get a few calls on it occasionally. But um, mm. yeah, I don't think the phone changes much because he's probably the kind of guy that doesn't wouldn't use it a lot anyway. Um, yeah. And if he, he if he if they made this now, he'd probably still have the same kind of phone as he did in the movie. Like that <laughs> yeah, yeah, surprise probably. me. Yeah, and um, I think the social media one's the big difference because I feel like he wouldn't have to camp out at the airport to meet this woman again. This air um, steward, yeah, he could I, just no, stalk I, her on on social media. Yeah, I I feel like he's the kind of guy that wouldn't have the technical wherewithal to do that. Like I don't think he. You know, he's not, he, he's, I mean, this isn't... For set, love though, Matt? This isn't, th- yeah, this isn't like 30 years ago. This isn't, this is not even 20 years ago, this film. Um, you know, when this film came out, Facebook existed, I'm pretty sure. No. MySpace would have it, existed. It, yes, Facebook existed, but you had to have like a university email address okay. in 2006. Right. MySpace would have existed. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, he's not a MySpace kind of guy. No, but Google would have existed. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. but what are you going to Google? Like air hostess named... 
oh, Sandra look, or whatever. Look, we, we've like. both been journalists. You've, <laughs> we've both found people, found phone numbers for people you need to ring yeah. for an interview, like by just by going down an internet rabbit hole. Um, you can find people, but I don't think he's the guy that has the kind of tech savvy to do that regardless. Mm. Um, one thing I would think that maybe um, pops up is that uh, social media is that somehow Kenny is kind of coming up a, a lot with uh, people maybe taking f- selfies with him because he's the poo guy or, you know, he... <laughs> could or, have a TikTok. Um, yeah, yeah, or every time he goes into um, like a bathroom, but like one of the Portaloo bathrooms, it would be a running joke that there's always someone in there taking selfies, like just every time he goes into one. Like I feel like that would be a thing, but yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think it changes the film very much. I think no, the, the film, ex- it. It, it, yeah, and it exists outside of that realm, even if it was now, you know? Like, I think if the film came out today and you d- you, there's no mention of social media anywhere, it, that would not stand out. Like, it, mm. you wouldn't notice it by its omission. It is a little bit jarring, I would say, when he's arranging dates with this woman verbally and not taking her phone number at all not adding her on Facebook or adding her on Instagram. Like that would certainly happen now, I think, even if you weren't like a big social media user. Mm. Um, The fact that he had to ring the hotel and be like, oh, there's a woman that's going to come to the bar and can you tell her that I couldn't make it? Like that's Mm. just, that's unheard of. Yeah, that is, that is pretty old school. That actually, that's probably the most dated thing in the whole film. Yeah. Yep. We got there eventually. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's via different categories that we end up answering questions from half an hour ago. I know. You can just edit this into the right order, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before, I'm sure. <laughs> um, the, last, the, the, the next question was, could you make it today? What would the 2022 version be? And I think like we've said enough, like it's fairly timeless. You could just make it yeah. again with some Nothing changes really, yeah. Which yeah. is what is so great about it, or one of the things that's so yeah. great about it, I think. I think it would it could be a thing where Kenny goes viral, like something happens, and you know, he that's, or, that's or he the sequel, a, isn't it? That's the yeah, he has inevitable a, he has an account. Yeah, Kenny too. Yeah, that's the inevitable like, like a way too late sequel that comes out in five ten years yeah. when Shane Jacobson is really desperate for a buck, and it's yep, Kenny going right. viral and then dealing with fame and notoriety and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. When when I need to do some kind of plumbing, whether it's like changing a tap or stopping something from leaking, I, I, I go on YouTube and I look it up. And there's always someone that's like a Kenny type, like just a yep. tradie who's figured out how to use YouTube, basically. Yeah. And like, here's what you do. Simple as this. Da, 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 da. And the ones that are clear and use a good camera stand out from the ones that just like don't know what they're doing. So I feel like, yeah, he could have a side hustle going with that as part of his business that something goes wrong or something goes right and it goes viral and he becomes this big star and has to stay grounded that's almost got like a crocodile dundee in los angeles kind of sound about it though so it is too i mean the, uh, the other part of it too is that in the in kenny's world he's already in a film like the there's yeah. probably the success of that film hasn't had an you're impact the, on his life yeah. yeah and everywhere he goes people are taking selfies with him and then yeah Anyway, let's not jinx this too much because I really hope they don't. I really hope they can just leave this alone because it is kind of this perfect little capsule of a film uh, mm. that is timeless that doesn't need to be messed yeah. with in any way. 
Aussies don't really go back for sequels to their success stories, really. Crocodile Dundee. Was that a, was that an Australian made film though, or was that a Hollywood yeah. movie? No, Australian made film. Yep. Okay, there you go. Mad Max. Yeah, it's the obvious. Babe, two pig in the city. All right. Happy George feet. Miller. Happy feet too. <laughs> <laughs> More George Miller. Uh, yeah. Now the, <laughs> yeah. the the good ones got left alone, like you know, Miro's wedding and Priscilla Castle, and Strictly Ballroom yeah. and Castle. Yeah. So just leave Kenny okay. alone. Yeah. Uh, it's time for the Steve Buscemi spark plug award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. This was literally impossible for me. Like this was the hardest I've ever, hardest time I've ever had coming up with the spark plug award because okay. this movie is Kenny and then a bunch of people who are just acting like normal people and none of them are like trying to go for laughs really like mm. his dad isn't going for laughs he's just trying to be annoying his brother's not going for laughs um, yeah, there's no comedic sidekick in there exactly it's Kenny it's Kenny's the, the spark plug like he's in the whole <laughs> movie but he's still the spark plug <laughs> because Every time he comes on the screen, which is most of the movie, he's lighting it up. It's not like um, any of his colleagues were funny. Like the guy that's stressing about his wedding is kind of funny or, yeah, but, or whatever. Yeah, and then but the one that's they're, picking they're, on him is just... They're both just annoying characters. They're, just, yeah, they're it, both just there to be thorns in Kenny's side. Yeah, everyone's the straight man. Even you know his love interest is fairly generic she's there's nothing about her that's quirky necessarily other than the no fact and that she what's like what's a, great about her is that she, the way that she kind of reacts to kenny and just yeah it's at parts of it she just doesn't know what, what to make of him and then and then slowly realizes no this dude is just genuine like he's just there are no pretense whatsoever what you see yes. is what you get yeah no there it is it's yeah. the kenny show for it's called kenny for a reason <laughs> but then yeah, there, yeah it's so, kind of actually it's weird isn't it that there's no one else that no one steals the show. It's impossible I don't to think steal. Any, I don't think there's anyone else in the movie that gets a laugh. Like maybe the Japanese businessman might have a moment that's funny. I can't remember right now. No, but it's not just really. Kenny. There's a so few I things. Like- his dad is the is the closest. He's the only yeah. other one who gets a line that like that I laughed at. Like the one about the, you burn your first batch um, of muffins. Like yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty killer. Um, <laughs> and then him just his over the top cleanliness of things like. You know, and of, he doesn't want anyone to stain anything, like all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, he's the only. So, do we uh, give it the, to his dad, or do we just I say, d- "Kenny, you deserve it for all your hard work"? Well, you can't. You, the, the whole point of this award isn't it, that you don't give it to the I main, know, the leading lights. No one else. So it has to be his dad. All right. Okay, it's his. It, I haven't even got his name written down here, but Mr. Jacobson. Uh, is it Ron? Ron. That's got to be Ron. It's, 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 he looks Ron. like a Ron. Yes, a total Ron. <laughs> Sorry if it's not Ron, but for the purposes of this award, congratulations, Ron Jacobson. That was that was difficult, but we got there in the end. Yeah, there we go. We talked it through. Last last question: Is it still a good movie? Hundred percent. Yes. yes. I don't think Absolutely. there's any question. Hundred uh, percent. Rotten Tomatoes. Can't get that wrong. Better than Paddington Two and uh, <laughs> Citizen Kane combined. Hundred <laughs> percent is more than ninety nine plus. 99 averaged out. So, mm. when, when are we going to review Citizen Kane on this podcast, though, Jono? Uh, we'll eventually get to uh, the what 1940s. You, what, what decade was it? 40s? Yeah, 1940. 
If we get to episode 500, then we'll do Citizen Kane. Okay, cool. Is it funny? <laughs> I've never seen Citizen Kane. Is there a laugh in Citizen Kane? Any yeah, there's a, f- there's a few good laughs. Yeah. Levity, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of those older, uh, older films have some really surprisingly comedic moments in it. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, good. Any parting <laughs> words is, about Kenny? not going to happen. No, Kenny's still great. It's one of the Australian classics for a reason and it still holds up today. The end. All right. Well, that is Kenny. That's Comedy Rewind. Of course, we'd love for you to subscribe, share the podcast with your friends. If you haven't already, you can get your 8-bit merch at shop8bit.net. You can support what we're doing here at Kofi, which is ko-fi.com slash weare8bit. You can leave Apple Podcasts reviews. You can leave Spotify reviews now and you can leave podchaser reviews well you can't leave spotify reviews but you can leave a five-star rating which is the least you can do um you can catch me on socials at johnny himself you can catch matt at dr matt neil what else have you been up to matt what's uh what what can we not believe lately with with your podcast uh i'm working on season four of can you believe it uh our our, uh, semi-regular look into the unexplained so hopefully we'll have uh season four coming out uh next month or the month after um my book bay of martyrs has just come out in america so you can actually get physical and digital copies of that again for the first time in a couple of years so that's through down and out books um yeah, and that's Amazon or anything like that. Where do they no, go to actually get it? I think you've mostly got to go to Down and Out Books. Downandout.com or Down and Out Books. It's up Google. Cool. Bay of Martyrs, it's called. Uh, Down and Out is the publisher. Um, yeah, that's probably uh, me for now. Very good, very good. Thanks. We do have some American listeners, so I hope that they will check out your book, support yeah, a yeah. friend of 8 bit. And it's, a, a, it's a really good Aussie story. Noir. Yeah, definitely. Dear listeners, thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind.